This is Ibarian X, and welcome to The Candid Frame. I want to welcome the many new listeners who have recently discovered the show via my friend Ted Forbes at the Art of Photography podcast. Ted was kind enough to recommend TCF to his listeners, and it's allowed many of you to discover us for the very first time. You'll find hundreds of great interviews in our archive, and and one of the easiest ways I can suggest to you to access all of them is to download the Candid Frame app. Available for iOS, Android, and Windows Mobile, it makes it possible to stream or download every episode of the show, and it's all for free. So check it out and download it today. And for those of you who have been around for a while, I also recommend that you check out the TCF Flickr group and the YouTube channel where you can not only share your work with other listeners, but you may be showcased on the videos that I release there each week. You'll find links to this and a lot more in the show notes or on the Candid Frame website. Now, if there's something that I'm as passionate about as much as photography, it's dogs. They have been and continue to be a big part of my life. But a pet photographer, I am not. I make some nice photographs on occasion of my pets, but few are as beautiful and remarkable as today's guests, Natanya Martinez and Bill Parsons, owners of the Photo Lab, a studio dedicated to animal photography. While they both graduated from Brooks with aspirations to become professional photographers, it wasn't until years later that they discovered exactly the kind of photography they wanted to practice. And that's where we began our conversation. First of all, thank you for having us. Thank you. Your podcast has been a constant presence in our day-to-day life for the past few years and it's just I I have to pinch myself just uh, thinking that I'm talking to you right now it's, <laughs> it's amazing um, but uh, oh God, I think tried as it may sound it started when I was a child you know it I was very introverted and insecure and animals were the one thing that I would connect to right away and art was the only way that I could express it. Um, and, you know, you grow up and, and unfortunately you, you have to learn how to be an adult. And uh, throughout my uh, college time in, um, at Brooks Institute, I learned so much. And I would just watch my peers do amazing things in traditional areas of photography, portraiture, landscape, uh, commercial, editorial. And I would just kind of sit back and struggle with not finding whatever it, you know, was for me. Um, And sitting in in my favorite teacher's class, um, Chris Orway, who's an amazing photographer, uh, super inspirational person. He would always say, you know, just photograph what you love. If you do that, your work will be better. And the people that see it will care about it too. 
And I never got that. I, I, I listened and I absorbed it and I never really fully got it until, you know, this one beautiful sunny morning when we were with a friend of ours hiking through the hills and this little dog wandered in front of my frame um, and I took the picture and it just stayed there. It was like a magic aha moment. Like this is what I've been looking for all these years after, you know, nearly 10 years after graduating from Brooks, I finally felt free to say, this is it. This is what I love photographing. And I realized that it was fear before. I was afraid of, of, of saying, you know what? I love to photograph animals. I love to photograph companion animals. And not feel, you know, the fear of somebody saying, really? It, it, they're pets. It's just the dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that sentence never really made sense to me. It, and it wasn't only until this point where I felt comfortable saying, yep, this is it. This is it. It's a real marrying of a passion for two things. Mm-hmm. Our obvious deep abiding love for photography and, and all kinds of photography and, and, and learning all different things throughout our, our time experience, but then bringing in that, that love of animals and our, our connection to them. Um, it was just a, you know, match made in heaven. Did you find that what she just described in terms of her, her emotional experience and with respect to her subject matter was what you were experiencing as well, or was it slightly different? Obviously, my my path um, was a little bit different. I came um, came through a, a different avenue, high school photography, and um, a, a love of that. But then um, carrying that through to um, to Brooks and just that that experience at Brooks with just being surrounded by so much inspiration and so much skill, so much experience, both in students and in instructors, um, kind of really inspired me to move forward and, and, and create more. But then moving um, out of school and, and kind of saying, oh, well, now I've got a degree, I, I should probably do something with it. You know, even then going and working for photographers, getting some of that and, and even spending some time, uh, not necessarily as a photographer, but doing um, working in an ad agency and purchasing photography, you know, th- th- there's obviously a love for all those different types of things, but, um, the same experience really came, came to me as well since we were, we were together for that moment when, as she said, the, the dog wandered into the frame. Um, we have this great thing where we really share our, our create creations, um, uh, and that happened um, for us in that moment. We both really found that, wow, that that love of photography could be paired with our love for, and passion for creatures and our lives and other people. What What do you think allowed you to take that moment and and run with it, rather than still be stifled by the fear, the insecurity, the the judgment others might make about? Your, your choice of subject matter as opposed to doing something else that's, quote unquote, more acceptable for the role of a photographer? That's a great question. And I 
for, for me personally, I think it was a trifecta of things. Um, at this point, was it 2010? Um, a lot of serious studies had been um, done or were in the process of being done about dogs as a species. And as a study, not just of a, a species that had such a close relationship to humans, but has pretty much the only species, aside from cats, that's, that's had this connection and uh, with, with, with people. And it was coming from serious, serious science-based facts. Um, it wasn't any longer a, um, oh, I just love dogs and I love waggy tails and everything. It was a serious study of dogs as a species, but also as part of the, hum of the human condition. What makes a human bond to such an, uh, an animal? Um, what about them is different than any other creature? Um, so that was one. Uh, number two, I think I was at a point in my life where I thought I should want what, what I had, you know, which was a stable job, a stable paycheck, uh, health insurance, a routine, um, security. I thought all those things were something that I should want and that I, I should be happy. And the should was what got in the way. And I, I started feeling really, really suffocated by this little cubicle. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just watch the days go by and I would just dream of being outside and, and doing something more with my life. And I tried to remember why I chose to be a photographer in the first place, why I chose to leave my family, my friends, my country, my culture in pursuit of this dream of, of taking pictures for a living. And once I found this one subject, my it, you know, the, the thing that made my heart soar whenever I clicked that shutter, then it all just became about, okay, how do I make this work? You know, um, there, I, I see tons of uh, dog food bags out there with lovely pictures. I see a ton of books on dogs with amazing pictures. Um, National Geographic, you know, they, they, they have dogs on the cover, uh, you know, families, there has to be somebody out there that feels the same way about their dogs and their cats that I do. And that led me to do some research. And I found um, Jamie and Nicole, who are amazing, accomplished pet photographers on their own. Um, and they had um, a workshop on the business of pet photography, how to make it work, how to pay the bills with it, how to make it an actual career. And it was just perfect timing. So I talked to Bill about it and I signed up for the workshop. We couldn't afford to both of us go. So I went and I absorbed everything I could and seeing that it was actually possible. And, you know, just for once, not listening to what others had to say and just following my own bliss. That's really how it all got started. It's, it comes down to, I think, a simple leap of faith, too. In, in the, um, yeah, there's this, this reality behind uh, photography of companion animals. It's, 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 uh, it's unfortunately a, the redheaded stepchild of <laughs> photography in some ways. Um, but 
it's not yeah not anymore it's come to a place where um where there's there's a real respect for it because you know like like matt said it it exists in so many places um it, it, it's a it's a major part of of what it is what brands are and um those things but also what matters to people what what's in their hearts so many of us um have have a you know a dog or a cat or an animal sitting next to us right now that that's so much of our life and and to bring that in and to to create um images around that concept around that bond is, is really what uh what inspired us to take that leap of faith and the that's you know an emotional side of it which is very important is very valid um and so the, yeah, the, um, that that that's the emotional side of it, which is very valid and important, um, and obviously a huge part of where we come from. But the the if you want the fact base for it, aside from the food industry, and uh, I forget which other one, but the pet industry at the worst time possible for the economy was still thriving. And that oh, those are growing. growing. Those are numbers. Those are actual facts. So the fact that companion animal, animals are a very important part of people's lives is no longer up to debate. And it's it's something that makes me very happy. It makes me very glad because it, it sort of gives credit to the type of thing that not just us as 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 animal photographers, but as artists are, are trying to pay tribute to. Bill, tell, tell me about being in the position of hiring photographers, you know, and looking at other people's work while you still had these creative juices flowing of your, of your own. How did that experience being on that side of the table help, you know, fuel your desire, your desire to make a change and, and also impact, you know, how you wanted to be creative in your own right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, that was an interesting experience and, and one that I would never ever trade. Um, uh, such a, such a life experience to, to work essentially on the other side um, of things. Um, the ad agency that I worked for was a international big agency with major, major clients, including some uh, pet product clients actually. Um, and it, it, it gave me a perspective that I, I value and, and others around me actually value a lot as well. Um, in that understanding, I mean, you get down to some of the nitty gritty things, the elements of business, uh, the understanding of usage rights, um, what it is to, 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 you know, to, to, um, negotiate, um, and an understanding of, of what, what the value of photography is, especially in the world of advertising. Which, um, let's all be honest here is, is <laughs> the thing we, we probably most want to, uh, want to do given that it pays the best. Um, but it was, it, it was just such a valuable experience. I mean, um, being around all of the, uh, the art directors, uh, as well in those, in that agency and, and the ideas that they had and the ways that they worked with, um, with others, you know, whether it be the copywriters, whether it be the photographers that I hired, um, 
you know, and then even being part of that creative process and also working with the client, um, you know, and understanding how clients see things and how they, um, you know, they're coming to it uh, in many ways from a, a, a layman perspective. And um, I think we as artists forget that from time to time. And, um, and that, that was, a, that was a great uh, experience as well. That was a great part of the experience. The, um, and obviously it goes without saying that um, my exposure to just so many different kinds of photographers um, was, was, was just huge in, in moving my own uh, creative experience forward. Um, but in seeing all that, there's also this, this idea that, gosh, that's amazing what they're creating, but I can do that. You know, I did that in school. You know, mm -hmm. I, I understand that I, I could, I can create an estimate for that project. I can, uh, I can hire a, uh, you know, a producer and a, and a motor home and, um, you know, a model and, and out of my own creativity, I can create that for sure. Um, and so there's part of that, which also said, you know, you can do this. This isn't just, you know, this isn't something far off in the, in the distance. Um, so that, that really led me, you know, aside from an economic, uh, you know, <laughs> slip in the, uh, the way that things were a few years ago. Um, it also led me to, uh, to say, you know, goodbye to that world and being on that side of things and, and come to it, um, you know, from, from the side that had always been my love and that I'd always, um, you know, I've always been part of, um, since right out of high school. I mean, I, I, we've been working, um, in commercial studios, uh, just in my first years of high school. Um, so I, I'd always known it was something I wanted to do and something I wanted to be part of. So what was your guys game plan then? I mean, you both had the benefit of a, of, you know, full-time quote unquote reliable jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, but you wanted to make that transition you had the ben also had the benefit of taking that workshop that provided you some insight into what what it would take. But you know, as as you know, a soup to nuts sort of a plan. What what did that look like for you as 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 you know, and not only as a married couple, but also also as business partners? How did that break down? Who did one decide that okay, I'm going to let go of my job first? Are we both going to try and accumulate a certain amount of money before we make this leap? What, what did that look like for you two? It was definitely a lot of planning, a lot of talking. Um, I I felt the most comfortable being the one to take the jump first um, because I had, ha I had saved some money to keep me afloat. And I had been, even though I had this full-time job, I, w I was still doing some freelance work on the side. Um, so I, I was not a stranger to working at odd hours of the day and um, we just felt more comfortable that way having it be me um, and then it was the part where we got really serious about it do we really 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 want to make this work and if so then what do we need to do and one of the first things was to call um, <laughs> she, she's, she was one of our teachers at Brooks and she taught marketing and um, so she's a marketing advisor. So we got on the phone with her and told her, you know, this is where we're at. How do we make it happen? 
so she right away she got us you know on a one-year plan visualizing goals uh figuring out where money would come from figuring out what our voice was um you know portfolio shooting we had to start building our work uh getting comfortable again with 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 a camera which we had been using just for fun um and it was just a lot of research a lot of studying and a lot of after hours work um and it's still like like i mentioned to you before it's entrepreneurship is really like learning how to swim in the ocean it's you know you see those waves out there standing from the beach and you there's a safe way to get through those waves swim through them and then once you're past the waves you need to learn how to stay afloat how did you how did the way you looked at your photography the kinds of images you made change once you made the decision of of saying okay we're going to try to be from professionals and we're going to go for this market i think we definitely um looked for some trusted feedback uh from teachers from friends uh from people that we knew in the industry um and i was I had done by this point an internship for Park Magazine uh which is they they call it the New Yorker of dog magazines and I had stayed very close with you know with the publisher so I candidly said you know what this is what we're thinking about would you mind taking a look at our work and they were very very honest and and very constructive in their criticism and that's where we started peeling away the layers of 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 what would be our final style. And there's and there's an evolution I think in in style um in development um it it's it's something where you start out with an idea of what it should be. Uh you start out with the inspiration of of others. Um you start out with a a, a lot of different elements, but but really coming to it uh in the way that I think any photographer develops their style um in in that you you really do what speaks to you you when you kind of sift through those images and and the thing that calls out to you the one or two images um in one particular shot or the way that you did it those you know those are going to be the ones that that you use to kind of really develop our, your style and that's what we I think we we did in in early on kind of like I said finding um finding inspiration in others and in what we were supposed to do but over time realizing that you know that's not our voice our voice is our voice and it's the way that we see the way we see the light the the way we look at um the subjects and what are you looking for in your in your photographs to elevate them from what most people are accustomed to seeing as pet photography which is oftentimes a little more than snapshots i mean you you guys elevated to a whole new level Oh, and, thank you. <laughs> and I, I love the I love the work. I get excited at a lot of the the images that you guys make. But you yourselves, what are you looking to capture that really distinguishes your your work? Not uh, not only from sort of the average person who's making snapshots, but mm-hmm. from your from your competition. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with does this photograph tell a story, and does it tell a story about this one subject 
or does it tell a story about this one relationship or this one environment where this dog is or cat but also light light is always a secondary character in every photograph that we take whether it's natural or auxiliary and um i think there's there's very very many different kinds of, of pet photography and animal photography there's there's your cute and awe-inspiring images, puppies and, and happy feelings and baskets. And there's happy and active and bright and colorful. And there's a place for everything. But I think ours is a little bit more introspective. It's more moody in, in its color palette. It's a blend of fine art and lifestyle where there's just a tiny bit more left to say in it and I think a lot of it has to do with the when we shoot film with the films that we choose to use uh, the way we light um, the way we frame um, and those are all things that you know Bill was talking about inspiration and looking at other people's work we 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 are you know obviously very very aware and inspired of so many amazing animal photographers out there but when we looked for inspiration for our own work. We didn't look at any of them. We looked at, you know, photographers from the past um, and, and current photographers that had nothing to do with animals, food and landscape, and commercial and fine art. And all of those things were things that added to what we ultimately created as our own voice. I was recently a guest on TWIP, This Week in Photography podcast, and one of the points of conversation there was the importance of consistency. I think it's what makes the difference between an enthusiast and an artist. And part of that is mastering your camera. It's with that in mind that I created the Candid Frame Photo Essentials. This 59-page ebook and three hours of streaming video lectures provides you the knowledge you'll need to make pictures rather than just taking them. It's more than just a primer on the important controls such as exposure, white balance, and focus. It's material that provides you context for when, why, and how to use them. That's something that's missing from much of the content that's out there. You can order it for just $59 using the discount code TCF2015. You not only invest in your own photographic journey, but you also support the show and the work that we do at TCF. Click on the link in the show notes or on the TCF website today. Would it, I think we, we've touched on the fact that you guys are looking into uh, marketing your work uh, for commercial use, not just for portraiture. Can, can you help, help to differentiate the difference between the two for people who may not be really familiar with what the markets uh, may be like for all those different genres of photography? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's really, they can break down into two very, very basic categories, um, commercial work and private client work. Um, and it's that way for a lot of different, um, uh, types of photography, um, people photography the same. I mean, it's just a different subject matter, but what we're talking about here is, is individual clients who, 
who are looking to, um, you know, really capture uh, their own bond with their animals in the in the short time that those animals um, are sharing the earth with them. Um, but then the other side of it, uh, the other avenue one takes is the commercial side of things, and that that breaks down into a few more categories. I suppose you'd say editorial work. Um, there's magazines out there. I mean, gosh, there's a magazine for, for everything these days. Um, but, uh, but as Nat touched on, you know, it's, it's not just pet, uh, related magazines. Um, it's, it's National Geographic, you know, is in the past two years has put, um, dogs on their cover multiple times. Um, they're just so much an important part of our lives these days, but also, um, you know, the commercial side of things with, um, with pet products, with, uh, um, other areas like that. Yeah. And it's, uh, commercial products in the, in the sense of, instead of, does this image tell the story of this dog? It's more about how is this one pet product being used? Um, does it explain the use of this product or, what message is this is this commercial client trying to convey who's this target market those are very very different than you know somebody's very very beloved companion um and just to quickly return to what you were asking about what what makes our work different and and takes it to the next level and that's i think a very deep respect and understanding of our subject. Um, and by that, I mean canine behavior, canine body language, feline behavior and body language. That, I think, is our most valuable treasure tool that we have. Because not that different to a photographer who photographs newborn babies um, or you know, exotic animals that only come out during a certain period of the day, during a certain time of year, or landscape photographers who know the right time of year when to photograph um, a certain mountain. It's a deep understanding and respect of these animals. And without that, there's kind of a missing link where a snapshot is a snapshot and then it becomes a portrait. Um, you, if you deeply have a knowledge of, of this animal and its body and behavior and you understand what it's telling you about how it's feeling, what it's doing, then you have a better chance of portraying it and capturing it and, and really, really expressing who that animal is. Yeah, walk me through that approach because, you know, animals are wonderful, but they're also mm -hmm. wonderfully unpredictable. Definitely. <laughs> and when and it's come times for you to shoot either for a commissioned portrait or, or for something that you've set up, um, for, for your own, you know, commercial purposes, uh, as much training and, and awareness that you have doesn't mm -hmm. guarantee that, uh, the dog or the cat or whatever animal you're going to photograph is going to cooperate. <laughs> so how do you, what do you, what do you do in order to help increase the chances that things are going to work out? Um, in, in, in a sense of, of preparing for a photo shoot, we try to find out as much as we can about the animal that we're going to photograph, whether it's a family member or it's for a commercial client. We need to know 
what to expect as much as we can. Animals are always going to be unpredictable, and and we need to fully understand that. And the same way that you, you know, in street photography, you don't just walk up to somebody and shove a camera in their face. It's the same way with animals. You, you should not walk in, in there thinking that you're going to do that and dogs are going to love you. Um, and while we shoot commercial um, projects with uh, obviously professional animals, um, there's also a, a real, real experience that you get from photographing um, you know, non-professional animals, animals that are natural companions in our homes. And, and, and we try to actually shoot them a lot in our commercial projects as well, because there's a little something extra that you get there. But um, understanding animal behavior and especially canine and feline body language, which can be similar but very different, is, I think, the number one key. It's a different language altogether uh, from people. Um, things that we do very naturally ourselves, you know, uh, looking at somebody in the eyes and, you know, reaching out to, to touch their hand and, and shake it is very natural and it's considered, you know, appropriate and, and very kind and, and, and respectable. But you, you, you do that to a dog, not, not necessarily shake their hand, but it's, it's more forward and threatening to stare them in the eyes or to immediately reach out for them. It's knowing how they feel about that, just having met you, is a huge step in itself. And imagine for a moment that you're a dog or cat um, <laughs> and you're, you're here on the floor, you're wherever you're at, and incoming is this, this great big what, what must look like an eye to them because it's reflective, this glass of this lens. Um, it makes a funny noise. There's this giant human person thing behind it. Um, it's... It's a it's an odd experience for a lot of them. It's something different. Um, many of them that have never had anything more than, a, than an iPhone um, pointed at them. Um, so so there's also a, a time and a and a need for um, for working with that that animal to to understand that that being near that thing that that great big eye giant that giant lens camera. Is, is going to be okay, um, that um, basically uh, desensitizing them to that experience. And that's something we've worked on and developed over the course of um, what we've been doing. Yeah, it's uh, desensitizing and counter-conditioning, basically, to introduce ourselves, because we're strangers to them, and to introduce our camera gear and lighting gear, if, if applicable, um, and pairing it with something positive, something that they enjoy, like attention, even if it's just simple petting or, or dogs that need a little extra help, maybe some food or toys, something that they enjoy. Because it's, if the animal is comfortable and if they feel safe and happy, that it shows, everything shows in, in that photograph. Just like kids, just like people, you can't force anything. The minute something starts getting forced, it shows. It shows in the camera, in the pictures, I'm sorry. Um, and just that simple act of listening with your eyes and watching for the body um, 
is a huge, huge part of what we do. It's we forget the camera, we forget the clock, and we just focus on building a relationship first. And I love that there's two of us because at all points, somebody's always watching out for that animal and making sure that they're comfortable and safe and just having a good time. It's it, They're supposed to have a good time. You know that we're just there to capture it. So how does it work with respect to the photography duties? Are you, are you both active photographers? Does it fall more on one than the other? Definitely. I think it's a split, an even split there. Um, Bill sees things that I miss and vice versa. Um, his composition is different than mine. Um, he tends to get close and catch uh, abstract details, which which I love, and, and I kick myself because I would never think to shoot something that way, yet those sometimes end up being my favorite frames of the day. And I tend to step back. I love the landscape, and I want the, the, the subject to be a part of the landscape, so I tend to step back a lot. Um, so we... We end up having two to three cameras at a shoot and we assist each other. And one of us is always watching the animal for behavior and doing luring if we need to or noises or engaging with them and the client um, and the other shooting. Um, and, you know, it, it's just a really nice voiceless conversation that goes on it's we're really lucky to and, have that. and in the same way that we kind of we're going through this conversation here with you we 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 capture these these moments um you know in in a way that we see them but we share a vision an overall vision mm -hmm. um and we have this I, I really amazing thing where we we have the ability just kind of to simply hand off cameras um, to each other. Uh, obviously, we have multiple cameras um, in a shoot, so we're able to you know, capture moments with those different cameras, but um, it's really seamless, you know, and obviously it took some time to come to that place um, where we could have that sort of seamless exchange of, of, um, of ideas without words, um, you know, even just looking at something and the other one knowing, oh, that. Oh, I'm going to capture that. I don't miss that, you know, or also sharing a, um, you know, an, a, a, a part of the process which helps create the images, which is a, a drawing attention of the subject. Um, there's some techniques and things that we use to do that. And having two people um, to be able to want to obviously click the shutter, but another to um, create the distraction or to draw the attention um, or to help with the, the subject, even if the subject's not just a, an animal, but a human, um, and, and really bring out the best possible image that can, uh, that can be created. Yeah, there's a perfect example where we were photographing a puppy, and uh, it was for the cover of a magazine. And, you know, it was an, it was an important shoot, and we only had a, a specific amount of time to shoot it in, and it was about to start to rain <laughs> so everyone was panicking um and this puppy was you know puppies are unpredictable just like kids and um the puppy would just would not sit still which is not uncommon we were prepared for that but what we weren't 
exactly prepared for was the amount of energy <laughs> that this puppy had. <laughs> so, you know, it was clear at this point that no, no, we're not going to get a static photo anytime soon. So one of us was shooting, in this case was Bill, and I was running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, playing with this puppy. And it was a workout, but oh God, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And into the nitty gritty, we, you know, we shared the elements of uh, business, um, processing of files, and, you know, you know, film things, all that, all those things, uh, when it comes down to it, we share. Um, but it, it's, it's a great, it's a really great thing to have the two of us uh, to do this. Um, I, we know plenty of people who will do it on their own. But, and it's uh, admirable. It's admirable. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing that I would add is, you know, Bill's more of a comfortable, extroverted person. He's a really good people person. Um, and he has a really, really magic way with cats. I don't know what the man does, but he can lure any cat, no matter how fearful or shy, out. And, and it's just amazing. Um, and I'm more of the quiet, introverted person person I do a lot of the uh, photo editing and a lot of the safe behind a computer blogging and, and business management in that side of the spectrum and um, he says uh, that I have a thing with with dogs especially fearful ones which you know, I'll wear it as a badge of pride <laughs> tell me about becoming adept at dealing with the with the clients the people who can be more difficult than the subject matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Aren't they always? And then that's not <laughs> limited to uh, animals. Um, I mean, it, there's obviously wonderful clients out there, but for every wonderful client, uh, there's always the possibility of one who's, uh, who's less than wonderful. We'll say <laughs> politically correct. Um, <laughs> it, you know, and that just comes down to day by day. I mean, uh, experience in life and, you know, growing up and working in retail, um, you know, in high school or, or doing things, um, you know, where you're just dealing with the public throughout life has taught me a lot of different ways to work with people and to, to understand them. Uh, and there's always going to be something, there's always going to be, uh, you know, a client that, that throws you a curveball, just going to be completely dumbfounded by what they're saying or what, what kind of concern they have, um, whether legitimate or, or not. Um, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, taking a step back, breathing, remembering that, um, that there's, they're coming to it from a different perspective than you are. Um, you know, we, we have this understanding of photography, understanding of art. We have a value um, for certain things, but, um, you know, and an understanding of techniques and, and, and processes and such, but they don't, one has to always remember. And, and we have to remind ourselves of this, um, that their perspective is that of a client. What they want is the image. They want, whether it be a private client, they want the collection of images of them and their animal, or a commercial client, 
they just want the final product. And so I, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I got a long, long time ago is to always, always put yourself in the shoes of that person. And then that, that has helped me a long, long way um, to, to really working with uh, clients all across the spectrum um, from, <laughs> from wonderful to uh, less than <laughs> so, so compared to where you were when you first were thinking about making this change to now, what for each of you has been one of the more pleasant surprises that you could, have, could not have anticipated uh, back then? For me, I think it was um, how much being this in love with animals and, you know, sharing that love of photography of animals has gotten me closer to people. It, that's been the greatest surprise of it all for me because, you know, introverted me was to never really had it easy making friends or, or um, being very social and, and animals were always that safe space. And it was just really, really wonderfully surprising to find a myriad of people that shared my values, that shared the same feelings that, you know, when you ask them about their dog or their cat, it always started with a sigh, heavy with emotion. And I get it, you know, I, I understand that. And it's just for an introvert like myself, that connection to people that valuable, genuine friendship with like-minded people and artists, that has been the most wonderful surprise for me. And I think for me, it's it's just been a, a very simple idea that, you know, what we're creating here, the, this this vision, this idea of, of animals on film or digital, if you will, um, are, you know, and the way we see them matters to people that that it speaks to them that that a tear wells up in someone's eye when they see that photo of uh you know of the dog that we created for them or that we get these messages from people who've seen um you know a cover that we've done or uh, you know or images for a product um that we've we've done that, that the people say how beautiful it is or how much it, it talks, speaks to their own um, love of, of the creatures in their lives. That's great. Well, my last question that I ask each guest and I'm going to ask each of you individually is um, I ask them to suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would those uh, photographers be and why? And we'll start with you, Nat. Oh man, can Bill start? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you go. <laughs> um, I've got a, a really fairly simple one in that my um, you know, my experience having been in a, uh, the art buying side of things, um, as I said before, led me to to see and, and meet and work with a number of photographers. And one of the ones that I, I worked with uh, but loved and, and is in many ways an inspiration for um, what we do now, um, it's a photographer named Eric Almas. He's actually based, uh, um, in San Francisco near, near us. 
um, and I've worked with him. Uh, I used to teach a class as well in um, uh, in San Francisco at one of the universities, and uh, I had him speak at that class a number of times. But um, really something about the way that he sees light, um, his vision of, of landscapes with subject matters, um, he really... He really speaks to to my own um, my own love, so it's definitely one of one of my favorites. Yeah, he's a good one. Um, and I, knowing that this question would come, I racked my brain to narrow it down. I swear, and I had the hardest time. But um, I came down to two very influential, and, and you'll excuse me to have two, but um, Beth Kirby, uh, who has a blog called Local Milk. She's not just a beautiful photographer, she's a writer and she's an amazing baker. And I can't help but feeling hungry in every way, shape or form whenever I read or see any of her photographs. Um, and the other is just a really good friend of ours, a stellar person, somebody we sat in the classroom with, um, is Mike, Michael Rudin. Um, just his way of never being afraid to get dirty and to push the limit just a tiny bit more and to photograph a piece of pizza the same, with the same passion and the same love that he shoots a formal portrait. It's, it's just something wonderful. And I highly, highly recommend people look at their work. Oh, great. So where can people go to find out more about your, your work? Uh, so the easiest way to find us is probably through our website, uh, photolabheads.com, and that will have links to us on all social media. Um, I am very active on Instagram, um, and uh, and and our blogs. Yeah, our um, our blogs. We have a personal blog uh, on a personal project called Three Sixty Five Dog Hikes, um, and. Uh, links to that are all on our website. Great. Well, thank you so much uh, for making the time this evening. I really enjoyed having a chance to talk. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You brought your next. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners like you. To help support the work we do at TCF, please take the time to make a donation via PayPal for $10, $20, $50, or more. Your contributions have helped to make the show what it is. I'd also like to thank our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, and our music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is the candid frame.